out of any of the times this week, this is probably going to be most broad that I will talk about God's word, and you'll see why in just a minute. Um, but as we keep going through the week, we'll get more and more focused on a specific passage, but we will look at least one specific passage tonight in Matthew chapter 10. We'll end up doing that. Um, guys, just a little bit more about myself. My name is PJ, and this is my wife, Sherry, and uh, she does like to dress us the same today, so um, uh, it's not going to happen tomorrow, though, right? I can't wait. Okay, so anyway. No, uh, so anyway, uh, she does like that fun. We love having fun with each other. We've been married for 35 years, but we've only had eight anniversaries. We have our ninth anniversary coming up this February 29th. And uh, so uh, it's going to be, that's, man, we just was talking about it a little earlier. Wow, this year is our ninth anniversary, our 36th year. So we do have an anniversary every four years. Uh, no, I didn't do that to save money on gifts or something like that. I actually did it as a, I said, you know what, let's have a, I, I did mention, I was, it was my idea to get married on February 29th. It was a Monday. I didn't, didn't matter to me what day it was. It was coming up. We were ready to get married and it happened to be a leap year coming up. And I said, what about February 29th? And I don't know. I think Sherry just, I don't know what you were thinking, saying yes. You just wanted to get married. Okay. So, uh, so that was better than March 1st. So anyway, um, but February 29th, and I said, you know, so we could have like a special anniversary every four years. And that's what we have had, a special anniversary every four years. And I thought, man, that'd be really good every four years, you know. Maybe even things may be, I didn't know, but maybe things would be happening in our life even that that fourth year would bring us, you know, closer together or something. I didn't, I didn't know, but I, it was just having a special thing every four years. Every other year, I just joke around that we go to bed the day before our anniversary and we don't wake up until the day after. So, and that's pretty much it. But uh, we do live in Fresno. I'm the lead pastor at the Well Kingsburg Church, as Art was saying. I'm part of a teaching team there and um, uh, love the staff, love the people that I'm working with there. And uh, Sherry and I don't have any children of our own, but we were in youth ministry for a ton, ton of years. And so um, we do have a lot of kids. They're just not our kids. We have some, I think, look, you know, you, you know stuff as you look back. You know, during the time, we were like, well, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? There was a time where, like, I mean, Sherry even told me, she said, when she was growing up, she would tell people, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? A mom. I mean, that's what she wants to be. So uh, we had to work through that, and God worked, God actually did work us through that. And, um, and, and we see now, looking back, that God, you know, has a better plan than we do. And the plan was, you know what, these, these students are going to need a spiritual mom and dad, that, and, and you're the ones that I'm going to put to have attention on them um, as your kids. So... Every Mother's Day, Sherry always gets a Happy Mother's Day thing. And so on Father's Day, well, you know how guys are. But anyway, <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I do get, uh, there's a couple of guys that text me on Father's Day and say, you know, you're like, you're my dad. So it's, it's really sweet. It's really neat. Um, so with that said, you guys, I said it this morning, but if you're going, hey, where are we going this week? And I don't know if this is the only night you're going to come, or you're going to come, or you're going to go, well, if it's good tonight, then I'll come tomorrow. I don't know. But, but whatever it is, uh, I want to tell you where we're going th through this week. Um, and and, and it, we're going to talk about faith. And you're like, that's, the, that's so basic. But, you know, I find out, like, in, in the simple basic things in the Christian life are actually usually the most profound things. Love is a very, oh, simple concept. You learn it when you're five years old. God loves you. Do you know how deep that is? How profound that is? Faith. Well, our Christian life is based on faith. Okay, got that. Now what? Do you know how profound that is? How deep that is? So 
That's what really hits me, and, and, and it hits me personally. I'll, I'm going to tell you my story in just a minute about my faith journey and why it hits me so much. But uh, tonight we're going to talk about what a genuine faith looks like. And maybe for some of us, it's going to be a good reminder. Maybe for most of us, it's going to be a good reminder. Maybe for somebody here, you're like, man, I, I, I want to really examine my faith. God's Word even tells us to examine our faith. So let's do that. Um, tomorrow night, we're going to talk about uh, how to have a stable, consistent faith, which is huge for me. Um, the, the times in your life where you're like, I'm really trusting God, and other times where, I mean, I'm having a really tough time trusting Him. Why is that, and how can we make our faith just a little bit more consistent and stable? And then uh, the next night, we're going to talk about what a productive faith looks like. Our faith is supposed to produce something if it's operating in the right way, and and so what does that look like, and how can we make it operate in the right way to produce something in our lives? So we'll look at that. And then the last night is something that Sharon and I have talked about so many times. We're going to look at Hebrews 11. It seems like you can't talk about faith unless you look at the faith chapter. Some people call it that in Hebrews 11. And we'll look at that, but we're going to look at it in the, in, in, and really examine what a great faith looks like. What does it look like not to just have faith, but what does it look like to have a great faith, uh, a, a stronger faith? And so that's where we're going to go this week. So if you want to join us, it's fantastic to be able to do that. Um, as Art said, we're going to have worship every night except for this night too. So come and just worship with us as well. So um, with that said, um, the reason why or one reason why I like talking about or examining faith so much is because I look back on my own life and I see what the struggle was and the journey that I had with my own faith with God. When I, when I was... Uh, about five years old, my, my mother gave her life to Jesus Christ. She was 42 when I was born, um, so she was 47, and as a 47-year-old coming to Jesus Christ for the very first time, not being exposed to church at all before that, and I wasn't, but I was only five years old, so I feel like I kind of grew up in the church, um, but my mother was the one who, with me and my older brother Sam, who's a year and a half older than me, really passed that on down to us. And so we went to this little church in the country, a uh, town called Vina in Northern California. It's a little agricultural town that doesn't even have a population sign. And there was one little church, the classic one you think of in the country with the white steeple, you know, with the bell and the one room and maybe 100 people can get in there and they have uh, the attendance from last week on the wall and what the tithe was and that's, you know, that thing. So that's what, that's what a little Baptist church. And, uh, and going there, I remember there was a Sunday school teacher and they're talking about Jesus Christ and Jesus, you know, wants you to go to heaven and you know, you don't want to go to hell. And I'm thinking, well, she's, and, and I, this is kind of how I heard it, thinking back. It, it wasn't like this, but it's like, who wants to go to hell? Well, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't want to go to hell. It's fire and terror and term, torment. And who wants to go to heaven? Well, the streets of gold and no pain and no crying and happiness. Well, these are dumb questions. And, you know, who wants to have Jesus ask Jesus into your heart? And, and she talked about Jesus loves you, died for you, died for your sins. You know, well, you know why would I not want Jesus to be part of my life. So, and prayed, then prayed this prayer, and we prayed the prayer, and a prayer of asking him to come into our hearts, and I'm good. That was it for me. Now, I know, look, Sherry would have a different testimony. She would actually say, like, when she was five, six years old, she gave her life to Jesus Christ, and it was real. She understood it. I'm telling you that I'm not saying that not, not kids can understand it. I'm telling you how I, under, I understood it. I didn't get it. I was just adding Jesus to my life, and believing in Jesus was a different concept than what I think Scripture actually tells us what it is. 
for all the years from five years old to probably a senior in high school, and I didn't actually give my life to Jesus Christ until I was a freshman in college at a Christian school. I, all that time, I really thought, if you would have asked me, are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a Christian? My answer would have been yes. I would not have been lying, and I would have been wrong. Uh, I Sincerely wrong, but I would have been wrong. Um, and it reminded me of when Jesus says those profound words to uh, some people in the book of Matthew. I think it's chapter 7. He says, many people will stand before me one day and say, Lord, Lord. And I'm going to say to them, I don't know who you are. In other words, people are going to know who Jesus is. And Jesus says, we don't have a relationship. That, that's pretty profound there. And I circled the word many in that verse, not a few. I thought, wow, there's a lot of people that think that they're okay with Jesus. A lot, more than me during that time. And to imagine myself, if I ever stood in front of Jesus during that time, I would have been one of those people saying, Jesus, oh, you're Lord, Lord. And he would have said, I don't know who you are, PJ. Depart from me. Um, because I, this is what believe in God meant to me. Hey, I believe in God. You believe in God? Yeah, we believe in God. What that means is I believe that God exists. That's what that means. That's what most people mean when they say, I believe in God. Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. I believe that there is a God. Do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus existed. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that he was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead, and he ascended into heaven 40 days later. And I believe that he is not only the Son of God, but he is God himself incarnate in, the, in, in body. And, and, and I believe he created the world. I believe all these things. And from five years old all the way through, I believed everything that the Bible said about Jesus. And that's what the problem was. I just believed what the Bible said about Jesus. And I go to John 3.16, and for the longest time, you know, you know John 3.16, John 3, it's a verse you learn when you are like five years old. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it's as if God was stopped me one day when I was like a senior in high school, and I actually started just really examining God's word for myself and just reading it. And he hit me when I was reading through the Gospels. I decided to read through the Gospels. And it was like God was saying, what do you think that means? And I said, well, you love the world so much you gave Jesus to die in our place and be the sacrifice for us and for our sin. Yeah. I, for God so loved the world, he gave my only son. What about the next part? Well, whoever believes that you actually gave your son as a sacrifice for my sin, and I, I uh, accept that truth, and I know that he died for my sins, and he was buried, and he rose from the dead, then, then I, won't, I won't perish, and I'll have eternal life. And he, it was like God was going, is that what it says? Well, it says that whoever believes in you, exactly, not just believe stuff about me. Whoever believes in Jesus, in the person of Jesus, has eternal life. Not just people who believe certain things that Jesus did, which then reminded me of probably a verse that some of us know in James, where James tells a group of followers of Jesus Christ that demons believe. They have a faith, and they tremble. 
They don't have a relationship. They have a faith. The deep, you, does Satan believe that Jesus died for all mankind's sin and was buried for three days and rose from the dead? Yeah, he doesn't like it, but he believes it. And it's like God just hit me. Will you just look at that word in? It's the smallest, biggest word in the Bible, the word in. Believe in me. Believe in my son, not just a list of things about him. Believe in him. And that's when it really hit me what real faith is. It's a relational faith. It's believing in Jesus Christ for who he is. The one who is the only one who can give me salvation. The only one who can give me life. The one who is Lord. And I accept him for who he is. I believe in, in who he is. And what he did for me provides me a way that when I believe in him, I have a relationship and reconciliation back with God. But it's not about believing a list about Jesus, just like Satan does. It's believing in him. And we all know that Satan believes probably more things about Jesus than I even know. But if you ask Satan, or if we just ask each other, who do we think Satan believes in? Who does Satan believe in? Himself. Because we know what believe in means. It's, 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 it is different than believing stuff about somebody or something that somebody just did. Believing in somebody, if I say, man, I believe in my dad, you know what that means, right? There are, there are children who would, if they were honest, say, I don't believe in my dad. And they don't mean that they don't believe their dad exists. They mean that there's not a trust relationship there. I don't believe in him. But if I told you I believe in my dad, you know, well, then he's going to believe everything that he says, that his father says. If his father comes in and gives direction, he's going to say, I trust you and I want to follow you. He has that relational belief in that dad. We believe in our friends. You might have a certain friend you believe in. You might have a friend you don't quite believe in. But you know what it means to believe in that person. And depending on what that person's position is, it changes what it means. Believing in my friend looks different than me believing in my dad. Believing in my dad looks different than me believing in my president. Believing in the president looks way different than believing in someone as my God. As my Savior and my Lord. As the master I can trust me being a servant too. Wow. It just hit me. And, I, just, and when I was a, as I kept reading through the Gospels, it just hit me more and more as people just asked Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And you know how he answered it. I went, how come he doesn't answer it the way my Sunday school teacher told me to answer? You know, pray this prayer. And that's what you do. You just believe that I'm going to die on the cross for you. Now, he said in so many different ways, believe in me. To the rich guy, stop believing in your stuff, believe in me instead. Take up your cross when he tells people, hey, if you want to follow me, you want to be my disciple, this is it. You, 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 you deny yourself, you take up your cross, you follow me, you stop believing in yourself. To believe in Jesus Christ as Lord is to stop believing in myself as Lord. Right? That's what it means. And I think for most of us, like, wow, that's a good reminder. That's right. That's what faith is in Jesus. 
So then when it started hitting me when I was a senior in high school, I started realizing that I, for all those years, believed everything about Jesus and everything about God. But when it came down to it, I believed in me. I trusted me. And the only reason I was a good kid, I did what God wanted me to do. Do you know why? Because I agreed with it. Because I saw that it was a good idea too. But if there was anything that I felt like would maybe stop some dream of mine, something that would be really, really important, I would find a way that I wouldn't have to do what he said. I would find a way to not believe in him in that moment. And I knew it. I struggled with it for a year and a half. <laughs> Sherry knows my story. And long story short, there's a, it's a long story to it, but finally God hit me. And because I, I, I really, uh, deep down, I thought, I, I questioned myself so much, I thought, I can't believe in him. I just, I, I just, I wanted to be honest. I, I just can't believe in him. Um, and I remember telling him that halfway through my freshman year at a Christian college, I was going to go home and just enroll in Chico State. And I told God I was not, I was going to leave him. And I, I was sick of being a hypocrite. I knew I was a hypocrite. And I said, I told, I actually told God I'm going to leave and I know and when I go home, I'm uh, not going to go to church anymore. I don't know what my mom's going to think because this is really going to disappoint her. But I'm just sick of just pretending. I just can't give you my life. I can't trust you like that. So I told God, because I do believe everything that God's word says, I said, I know that I'm going to die one day and I'm going to stand before you and you're going to send me to hell. But I'd rather go to hell and stop being a hypocrite. I just want to be honest. And I told him goodbye. I went home, and <clears throat> for me, <laughs> this is so sad. The reason why I knew I could not believe in, in Jesus and in God more than myself is because there was this girl at home. Her name was Michelle. <laughs> and I was in love with her so much. I definitely believed in her. I, uh, I knew she was not a follower of Jesus. I knew that I, if I truly gave my life to Jesus Christ, I knew he would not want me to be with her. And I couldn't do it. So I went home, and Michelle was there. And this is the saddest thing. Because this is the most pathetic thing about this whole thing. I was in love with Michelle, but she, Michelle didn't want anything to do with me. I w it was on a hope that one day, but when I went home, God orchestrated something that was pretty incredible. I, uh, she actually talked to me and said, hey, do you want to go out and catch up on things? And that wasn't that odd. I mean, of course, I was really hopeful. But she said, you want to catch up? But she was my friend, you know, and that was normal. We went out to dinner and just kind of talked and stuff. And it was just small talk and stuff. And we're taking her home and just catching up. And then she said on the way home, she goes, hey, uh, can you pull over? I, I want to talk to you about something. 
I said, okay. So we pull over, and she says this. You know, this semester I've been thinking about you since you've been gone, and I've been thinking about you a lot. And I really like you. And I really want us to be together. That's what she told me. She knew I really liked her. And uh, in my mind, I thought two things. My first thought was, wow, ever since I've dumped God, everything is working out. That was my first thought. My second thought was, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm a Christian. Because she did, I mean, we went to the same church. You know, when you're in youth group, you could tell the people who are real followers are not. She was not a real follower. And, uh, and I knew I wasn't, I just, but nobody would have known that. Um, but I thought, oh no, she thinks I'm a follower. Well, what if something happened with her and she was able to like believe in Jesus and now, you know, what, now it's like reversed or whatever. So I just was all in my head. I was like, oh my goodness. It's just, like, where are we at? So I said, hey, can I ask you something, Michelle? And she said, yes. I said, where, what do you think about God? And she said, I'm going to be really honest with you. I said, okay. She said, I, uh, I really don't care that much about God. But I care a lot about you. And I thought, this is great. We're all on the same page. And I opened my mouth to say something like, awesome, this is great, that me too, or uh, yeah, we're together, or let's make out, I don't know, something. And I opened my mouth, and I said, I can't do this. And Michelle said, what? And in my head, I went, what? <laughs> and I, I said, I, I can't do this. And she starts crying. She would never expected that. I didn't expect it. I was in shock as much as she was. And I start the car up, and we drive the next block to her house, and she's going out the door. And in my mind, I'm screaming to myself, stop her. This is exactly what you want. I mean, this is what you know that you couldn't get. Like, this is what you wanted. This is... And she goes in the house, and I don't say anything, and she shuts the door. And I'm sitting there in my car, stunned still. And I'm driving home. I live in the country. where I'm driving about five miles home, and I'm thinking, what, what am I doing? What's going on? And it's like, it was crazy. This is just my own story, what God did with me. There was something inside that went, you know, you, this whole time, you think you can't believe in me. I mean, you just think it's impossible. You can't stop believing in yourself. And believe in me instead. You can't really make me who I need. Be dependent upon me and just trust me with your life. But PJ, you really can. And deep down, you really want to, don't you? Like deep down. And I went, yeah. Yeah, I guess I do. And I gave Jesus Christ my life and decided not just to believe stuff about him, but I decided on that day I was going to believe in him instead of myself or anyone else anymore. That was my heart decision on that day. I haven't followed through with that on time. So you may know that. We'll talk more about stable faith tomorrow. But that was my heart decision. And I started singing songs for the first time 
as I was driving home, I started singing worship times that I knew for the first time, truly knew deep down in my heart that I really meant what I was singing. It was the first time I really knew that. And, um, and God took my life. Jesus Christ took my life. I didn't know at the time that there was actually some things about God that I believed that drove me to a, t- to a place where I, where I knew I could believe in him. You see, I, believing stuff about Jesus is not going to save me. Believing everything there is about Jesus is not going to save you. Only believing in him. Trusting him with your life. Hand your life over him to depend on him as master of your life. I'm going to trust you and not me anymore. That's saving faith. But I would say this, that I'm not sure I could have had that faith if I didn't truly believe things about him. Does that make sense? Believing stuff about Jesus is critical. Because I don't just believe in someone unless I believe things about them. When I tell you I believe in my dad, I don't just say that flippantly and just say I believe in him. There's probably reasons that he has proven to me over the years that makes me be able to believe in him. The same thing with a friend. The same thing with a boss, if you have that, or employee, or anybody that you would say, I believe in this person. There's something you also believe about them that makes you say, that's why I can't trust them. And I, and I love that truth because, because throughout God's word, from the beginning to the end, this is why I say this is an overlapping thing today, from the very beginning to the very end, it's like God continues on almost every page just asking the people that he created in his image to have a dependent relationship on him, with him to simply enter that relationship and trust him. From the very beginning, he creates Adam and Eve. And really, what does he just, what does he just say to Adam and Eve that he wants them to do? Will you just trust me? Will you believe in me? Will you believe in me when I tell you that eating from that tree is going to kill you? Will you believe in me? Just want to have that relationship with you. That's the relationship, that kind of trust. Will you just trust me? And who did they end up trusting more? The serpent. I think we're going to believe in the serpent more than we believe in him. At that point, he continues to reach out to people, generation after generation, to his people. He has a people that he calls out. Abraham, will you just believe in me? Will you just trust me? And that's why we're actually... Our faith is based on the faith of Abraham. Would you see, he didn't just believe stuff about God. You see what his belief in God drove him to eventually do. Did he make mistakes? Yes. But you look at his picture of his life as a whole, and you say, there's a guy. There's a guy who believed in Jesus. Left his home to follow him. He believed in God. Then you have the, you know, the people that God continues to reach out to, his people, as they become a nation, and they, he takes them out of Egypt. What did he just, over and over, what did he just want them to do? Will you just trust me on the journey? Will you just believe in me? As they become, there's a time of the judges and the kings, and hey, king, will you just believe in me? Will you just, will you just help the other people believe in me? Hey, priests, will you just believe in me? Hey, people, will you just believe in me? Hey, nations, will you just believe in me? And then Jesus comes, and what is Jesus' real message? Will you just believe in me? Will you, just, will you trust me? Will you trust what I'm saying, who I am, what I'm doing? Will you just, and anytime somebody did, he so was like so excited about it. Like, yes, this person trusts me, believes in me. 
And we keep going, even in the book of Revelation at the very end when God is, is, is coming in judgment. There's these little breaks in the different times of judgment where God actually breaks and really just says, will you, will you turn to me now? Will you believe in me now? Just over and over. Will you believe in me? Will you trust me? But I also love that God doesn't say, hey, trust me. I'm God. Trust me. And that's it. He doesn't do that, which I really appreciate. You ever had somebody in your life, and they intend well. They really have good intentions. So if you're this person, I, I know your intentions are good. When somebody, and maybe you're going through a tough time trusting God, and you're honest about it, you finally open up to maybe somebody, and you say, I'm really having a tough time trusting God. And they're smiling, and they pat you on the back. You know, you go, man, I'm really struggling with this. I'm just struggling with that. I'm struggling with this. And they pat you on the back and say, hey, trust God. <laughs> and you want to rip their thumbs off. <laughs> or you're just going, or you hear it and you're like, I know, I know I'm supposed to trust God, but I, like, how? Why? Give me something more. You want to just have just something more. And sometimes we actually do with other people because we don't even know what to say more. Hey, trust God. Uh, Praying for you. Trust God. Because we may not even know what to say. And so I hope even today as we learn something from God about us and how we can have faith in him, that we can pass this on to other people when they are struggling. It's something that Sherry and I say to each other all the time, these things about God. But God does not just say, trust me. He says, trust me because this is true about me. It's based on something. It's based on who he is. And three truths about him. I found three things that God, in different ways, says over and over. Just three basic things. We can talk about 50, 100 attributes of God. But there's three kind of basic categories that God is that creates the ability for me to be able to trust him. I mean really trust him with my life. These three truths about God are not super deep. I'm not going to say anything that probably any of you are going to go, wow, I did not know that about God. But as I said, I think the simple things, and these are very simple things, but they're very profound. And the first thing has to do with God's power. There are times when God tells his people, tells different individuals, I need you to trust me, tells David or you know, tells maybe one of his prophets or tells the people of Israel, I want you to trust me as he's taking maybe the, the people out of Egypt. And uh, he says, I want you to trust me. Well, why? Because I'm the one that's in control. It has to do with his being all-powerful. You can say all authority, all that, but if you're writing notes, if you, just these three things will change everything. We'll just anchor your faith in him to say, I can, I can believe in him, not just stuff about him. And the first one is, God is in control. God is in control. He tells the people of Israel, I'm in control, not Pharaoh. Doesn't he? Uh, Pharaoh can't do anything. Look at these things I can do that his sorcerers can't do. I've just parted an entire ocean. Are you getting the hint? Do you see I'm in control? I'm in control. I'm in control. 
You just see it all over the, all over, his power when Job is struggling with his faith because he doesn't know why God is doing or allowing what's happening in his life. And he's got three friends that have different opinions about what's happening, but they don't know either. And when God comes to Job in the very end of the book of Job in chapter 40 and 41, he never tells Job what's happening. That would have been the easy thing, wouldn't it? Job, Satan dared me. Satan said that you would do it. So we're, together, we're putting it in his face. Oh, okay. Doesn't say anything about why it's happening. He comes down and says, hey, Job, who created all the stars? Who's the one who knows where every single one is and nothing moves unless I allow it to move? Who created the oceans and makes the oceans go up and go down? Who created light? Who actually creates lightning and makes it strike exactly where he wants it to strike? Who's the one who has all that power? That's what he says to Job. You can trust me because I'm the one in control. It's as simple as that. You can trust me because I'm in control. You're not, but I am. Oh, great truth. The second one, number two, and he doesn't say necessarily all of these at the same time. Sometimes he just concentrates on one of them or maybe a couple of them, depending on who he's talking to and which truth they need to hear or see. But the second one is this. He says this many times. You can trust me right now. People, you can trust me. You can trust me with what I'm saying, what I'm doing, because I know what's best. And if you want to write it down, again, with God is in control, you put in parentheses, all powerful. That's the attribute he has. This one is this. God knows what is best. In parentheses, the attribute is this, all wise. He's all wise. I love this difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is knowing everything. Now, God is also all-knowing. But all-knowing and all-wise is a little bit different. All-knowing, I know everything. You know what all-wise is? Out of all these things that I know, I know which door is the best. I know which one of these things, everything that I know, is the best way to go. That's all-wise. And God keeps telling people, hey, you can trust me. You can trust me with what I'm asking you to do. You can trust me with the journey I'm taking you on. You can trust me with your life. Why? Because I know what's best for you. I know even more than you do. Now, this takes a little humility. I know even more than you do about everything. And the reason why this looks crazy to you, what what I'm doing or what I'm asking you to do, is because you just don't know as much as I know. But we just rest in the fact that that I'm God and I am all wise. And really, those two attributes, I think that just goes with somebody who is truly the God of the universe, God of all creation. Of course, would be all powerful, the most powerful. Of course, would be in control. He created it all. Of course, would be all wise. He knows everything that he created because he's the creator. That just makes sense, just being God. But let us sink in. You can trust me because I know what is best. The third one is probably the most basic, probably the most profound, and probably the one that we struggle with the most. It's crazy. He loves me. 
God loves me. As you look through the scripture, you're going to see all these times where God says, you can trust me, Israel. You can trust me. Look in the Psalms. I can trust God. And maybe the psalmist even says, I trust God because. And he'll say because. I can trust him because he created all the heavens. Oh, okay, so he's in control. I trust him because he's so wise and knows all knowledge of everything. Okay, and then you see, I trust him because he loves me. He cares about me. He cares for his people. I can trust him. I can trust him. I can trust him because he cares about me. He loves me. And that's the truth. I think, that we, again, we all know. But it's, it's crazy that the times that we don't trust God are times that we are wondering if he really cares. So many times. But he does. He truly is all loving. And he is, he has so much love, I don't need love from anyone or anything else. Great if I have it. It's great that Sherry loves me. I know you do. It is great. I don't need that God has so much love, he's the only love that I need. He truly loves me as a father, a perfect father. And me and you as his, per, as his perfecting and being perfected child. He loves us. I kept seeing that over and over. It was crazy. I just kept on seeing those three things. And then God reminded me, even as I look back on that day that I was driving home, that me, without being able to articulate it, those are the three things that I truly did believe about God in that moment. He's in control. He knows what's best. He knows that Michelle, he knows if Michelle is actually best for me or not. He knows that. And he loves me. Here, here's my life. I have found that if you believe, if you truly believe those three things about God, you really believe those three things about God, I really see that you can trust him with and through anything. Anything that he says, that he does, who he is, everything, everything. I have also found, which is really crazy, that if I struggle with just one of these truths at a time in my life, just one, I actually won't trust him with anything. It's crazy, it's all or nothing. It's, it, the only thing that maybe is, is similar is like when, when I was really not trusting, believing in Jesus at all, and I happened to do what God wanted me to do, because I simply agreed with it too. But to really trust him with my life, if you don't believe these three things, all three, you won't do it. You have a relationship with God, but it's not a, it's not a true, genuine belief in him with the belief that he wants us to have. It's just not. Let me give you an example. It really is crazy. Uh, there, there is a, a high ropes course at different camps. I think this one has. Anybody ever been on the high ropes course stuff that you have? Now, they used to have one a long time ago, and they had a thing called the Screamer. Now, is anybody that old that they remember the Screamer? Oh, my gosh, really? 
And uh, it's the old, you know what, and they put you up, and there's all kinds of stuff you do on a ropes course, but this was one where they actually strap you, you know, put the harness on you, and, and they put you on this ledge, 30 or 40 foot ledge, and then you jump, you, you, just, you just jump off the ledge. That's just what you do. Um, and, the, and the faith thing there is you have these ropes that you probably forget about, but they're, they're there. And they go over this bar way up, way up, even higher than that. They, and if I follow the ropes, they go up. There's like three ropes. And if I follow them down, there's this Hume Lake staff person at the very bottom of this, of this, uh, this, this cliff. And he's down there. And it's like uh, these ropes are kind of turned around like where you tie up a horse or something like that. And so, and, and, and he's holding on to these ropes. And he's like, hey, j-, excuse me. Um, he's, he says, J-, so jump. And I, and I think about that example because I'm trying to think of a physical example that would be like believing in God, like that's, what does that even look like? And it really is just trusting him with your entire life. And I thought in that moment, in that just moment, it is a good example of that for me. Because in that moment, if I decide to jump, I truly am trusting my whole self with that Hume Lake person, knowing, believing that he is going to pull on the right rope at the right time so that at the very last second I don't fall, but he just lets me swing and then gently lets me down which is what is supposed to happen. But you're standing there and you're, you're fearful. You're like, oh my goodness, can I do this? And, and, I, and I don't think we even, I even think that I'm actually trusting those three things in that moment for this person, but I am. So if I don't believe one of these three things, maybe without even knowing it, if I don't believe one of these three things about that human-like person, that staff person, I will not jump, neither would you. For instance, let's say I don't really believe that he loves me. <coughs> um, and here's the example. I'm walking through camp, and some guy goes, you know, runs into me and says, hey, you're P.J. Lewis. And I go, yeah, I'm P.J. Lewis. And he says, you know what? I hate your guts. If I could, if I just ever had a chance, I would hurt you. And he walks away. I'm at the high ropes course. I look down, and it's that guy. It's that guy. Hey, jump, PJ. I'm ready whenever you are. If, if, I, really, if I don't believe that he loves me, if I go, man, this person doesn't have my best interest in mind at all. I won't jump. Even though he's very strong, I saw somebody jump just before me that was heavier than me. Oh, I know they can do it. They, they've gone through all the training. They know everything there is about. They know exactly which rope to pull at the exact right time. But I'm about to jump, and I recognize the guy, and I won't jump. And what's interesting and what's sad is that some of us have that relationship with God. You believe that God, you know that God has all the power. You know he's in control. That's part of the problem. You know he knows everything. He knows what's best, but that also means he knows everything about you and knows everything you've done and knows all the secrets and knows everything. He knows it all. And he can do anything. You're going, I don't think he loves me. How could somebody care about me like that? I, I can't believe that he loves me. 
If I don't believe that God loves me, I believe that he will use all of his power and his knowledge not to care for me and do what's best for me. I believe he will use all of his knowledge and his power to do something terrible in my life. And that's how some people see God. Even people who would say, I'm a follower of God, I'm following because of fear, not because of love. I'm going to follow him because I am so terrified of what will happen if I don't. There's a relationship there, but it is not the trusting relationship that he created you to have. He wants you, he created you, and he, he created you to willingly want to depend on him in a love, trusting relationship with him. So you won't really trust him. You won't really believe in him. You believe stuff about him. And you might even do what he, he wants you to do because you're so scared of what he's going to do if you don't. But you don't believe in him. But maybe I picked the wrong one. Let's say I go up there, I'm about to jump, and first of all, I say, do you care about me? And I ran into, I go, oh, I recognize this person. I ran into them earlier, and they gave me a big hug. I love you, PJ. I went, oh, man, you're my favorite person. You're the best speaker I ever heard and everything. Oh, stop. Come on. And so, <laughs> so then they go, yeah, thanks for laughing at that one, Sherry. Um, so, so then I'm up, there, I'm up there about to jump, and I go, oh, this person cares about me. Good. Okay, they care about me. Hey, do you have enough power to be able to do this. I know there's ropes, you know, I'm, I'm, I weigh this much, whatever else, you know, and the, like, oh yeah, I've done people way, way bigger, way, way heavier than you do. I, this is not going to be a problem at all. I know, I, I totally, I'm totally strong. So then I go, okay, good. He can do it. He loves me. I'm about to jump. And right before I jump, I notice he's looking at the ropes and he's doing this. Okay, so which one am I supposed to pull? He doesn't know what to do. Do I have a relationship with him? I do. It's actually not a bad relationship. It just isn't. Well, this person is powerful. This person loves me. Doesn't know what they're doing. I will not trust him with my life in that moment. I just won't. Even though I feel like we have a great relationship. And there are some of us that what we don't believe is that he really knows what's best. We do believe he has all power. And we do believe he loves us. Gosh, he's God, and he loves me so much. But I have got to tell him what to do. I don't know that he really knows. If he really knew what to do, why would he allow this to keep happening like this? I, maybe I need to give him the heads up. And your prayer life might even be that way. You find yourself in your prayer life informing God most of the time in your prayer life of the things that he needs to do. And you're asking him to do it because you know you don't have the power to do it. He's the only one that has the power to do it. And you know he loves you, so he wants to hear all the things that you know he needs to do. So that's how you, your relationship with, with him is. Really, you're asking him to trust you. That you have a God that you're going, will you just trust me, God? Will you just believe in me? I know what's going on. And God's going, no, well, this is backwards. You believe in me. I know what's going on. Jump, jump, and trust me with the way that I, I, I have planned for you, what I do or what I don't do, what I say, what I don't say. So, but that's what some of our relationship is. It's like a, he's the genie in the bottle. He's the, 
strong servant. He's the strong, you know, body, you know, body, he cares for us, you know, whatever. It just, but he's not our God. He's somebody that we use or want to. And then there's a third one. It is, uh, I get up on the ledge, about to jump, and I go, okay, let's get this straight. Okay, do you love me? Yes, PJ, I care about you. I love you so much. Okay, well, I had this other guy. They, he, didn't even know what, he didn't even know what rope to pull. Do you know what to do? I've been through all the training. I know exactly what rope to pull. I know exactly when to pull it. Okay, and you love me. Yes, I love you. I know exactly what to do. And then I'm about to jump, and I look down, and I see that he has no arms. Unless he's got really strong teeth, I'm not jumping. If I don't believe that he can do what he knows even what to do, but he can't do it, I'm not going to trust him with my life. And the same thing is with God. It's another way that we have this relationship with God that some of us have. And we think it's this trusting relationship, but it's not believing in him for life the way he wants us to trust him. But it's this. God loves me. Man, he says incredible things in this book. I read this all the time. I love the advice he gets. I know he knows about life. I'm so glad he's such a great teacher. And I'll even follow this, but I've got to do it on my own. I've still got to have control of my life. And I'm going to do this, but I'm doing this into my power. And so God, in that case, is a really good counselor and he's a really good teacher. And is that true about God? Yes. Is that all God wants us to have with him? He doesn't want to just be your counselor. He doesn't want to just be your teacher. He wants to be your God. Your God, Master. He's the one who says, I need you to trust me to control your life. I need you to jump. So it's interesting. Do you see how if I don't have all three, all three of those, if I just stumble on one, I will not jump. And I will not jump with God. I will not trust him with my life, not really. Even though a couple of them, even all three, might look at like there's some kind of relationship there, but it's not true, truly trusting him with genuine faith. But I have found this, as I said before, that if I do believe all three of those things, I'll jump. You care about me? Yeah. You know what to do? Yeah. You can do it? Yeah. I'm jumping. And it's like God is there just going, will you just trust those three things about me? Will you just believe that I'm, I'm in control? I am. Even if it doesn't look like I am, I am. I know what's going on, even more than you do. You could trust me. I love you. Which is why I love this in Matthew chapter 10. We'll just look at this to close, but in Matthew 10, 28 through 30, 
We actually looked at this this morning briefly, but in Matthew 28 or in Matthew 10, Jesus is telling his disciples something that's going to make it hard for them to trust him and his father. He's telling them again he's, that they're going to be like sheep among wolves and they're going to have a rough time and things are going to fall apart for them. He's, he's telling them all these things that are going to happen that aren't going to be fun. And these people are going to be against him and everything else. And then in verse 28, he doesn't just say, but don't worry, trust me. He doesn't just smile and goes, but you guys, trust me. He says, I want you to think about, I want you to know these truths so that you can trust me. He says in verse 28, and don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is he telling his disciples to remember? Who's the one with all the power? You see how he's doing that? Don't worry about these people who can only go so far, but they can't go any further. Why don't you be concerned about the person who can take it all the way? <laughs> be concerned about the person who, who really is in control and can really do anything and everything with you. Be concerned about him. Then he says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And it's just saying, these sparrows, they were, you know, two for a penny. I, I think about it, I always say this, you know, because I remember the times where they, I went to Walmart and got goldfish from Walmart, and they were like a dime a piece, and they would die within a week. And then you'd go get another one for another, another dime. I feel like today he would say, man, aren't those cold, goldfish, they're only like a, a, dime, a dime each. They're not, they're expendable. It's not, it's not a big deal. People, most people would say it's not a big deal, unless you're like your two-year-old child that likes that goldfish, but... They would say it's not a big deal. He says, and yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father. What is he saying again? He's talking about his power. Now he's also talking about his knowledge. There is not one sparrow that's sold for a half a penny that hits the ground without me knowing about it. Not one. Without my power and my knowledge being a part of it. So he overlaps there. And then he says this. But not even the hairs of your head, but, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now what is he saying there? Well, part of it is, I'm not going to let one hair of your head fall out. Again, just like a sparrow doesn't hit the ground, apart from my knowledge and apart from my power. But what is he also, now he's even concentrating more, a little bit less on power, and now even more on knowledge. I know how many hairs are on your head. Do you? No. I know. Remember this. That you're going to be going through all this stuff, disciples. It's all crazy. But there is a God who is in control, who knows what's going on, who knows exactly what's happening. If a sparrow hits the ground and he knows about it and he's involved in it, he's involved with you if you hit the ground too. He hasn't left you. Hasn't, he knows what's going on. He has all the power. And he knows what's going on even more than you do. Even more than you do. Then, then he says, so... Fear not, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Look, you're going to go through some crazy things, but I'm telling you, you can trust my father because of these three things. He's the one who has all the power. He's the one in control. He's the one who knows what's going on. He's the one cares about you. Remember those three truths and you can trust him through anything. Even facing wolves.
That's just one of the examples I saw where God just keeps saying those three things. So that's how we're starting this week, by looking at who God is so that we know we can have an authentic, real faith in him. So maybe the question for you is the same question I had to ask myself. What is my faith like in this God? And would you do this? If you did write those three things down, there's usually one that's just tough for you. And maybe that's the one you circle to say, this is my weakness. When I'm not trusting God, and maybe there's even something right now in your life where you're like, can I trust God through this? Can I trust God with this? I don't know if I don't know. Look at those three statements about God. Which one are you just kind of faltering with right now? I'm just not sure he's really in control. It just doesn't, I don't, wait, but he is. But does he really know what's best? I mean, love your enemies? How can that even be close to what is best? Does he really care about me? It really seems like he doesn't. And then renew your mind with the truth about God. And we'll talk tomorrow night about how we'll take another step to have that faith even be stable in a consistent faith if we have it anchored in the right thing. So we'll talk about that tomorrow, but maybe today just evaluate our faith and do that through the rest of this week. I'm going to do it for myself too. I know me and Sherry will do it too. Um, but with that said, can I pray for us? God, thank you so much for, uh, well, first of all, we thank Wow, first of all, God, you are a God that can't be trusted. Uh, it, wow. That someone would say, I want you to trust me with your life. That's a huge ask. And yet you ask it as someone who can be trusted, not as someone who can't. So God, we thank you. You're the God with all power. You can do anything. Nothing happens without your allowance. Everything happens under your sovereignty. Nothing is going to happen that is going to be outside of your power and your authority. And we know that. Even with times we don't understand it, we know it. Oh God, we thank you for your knowledge and your wisdom. You do know what's best. And sometimes in my life, I think I know what's best in my life than you do in Oh, God, I, I'm just humbled now. We're all humbled before you, knowing, wait, we don't even, we don't know what's going on. But we know there is one who does, and it's you. Thank you that you have numbered every single hair on our head, and not one of us will even trip and fall without you being there with us, knowing what's going on. Oh, God, we thank you, maybe most of all, for your love. Oh, we thank you that you are a God that doesn't use all your power and all of your knowledge to put your heavy thumb on us and squish us. But you use your power and your knowledge to actually do what is best for you and your plan, your holy and righteous and good plan, and for our good. We know that you care about us so much that you actually gave your son up for us. We are, we, forgive us for the times we doubt that. Help us to remember more that you care. And God, that we would now, knowing those three truths, when we have a struggle with faith, that maybe we would just back up and say, wait, which of these three things am I struggling with? Not just trusting you, God, but what are the three things about you? 
that I might be struggling with. And God, that you would renew our mind back to the truth so that we would then turn back to you and say, no, I'm taking a breath. I can't trust you. Continue to lead on. And God, that maybe all of us too, when a loved one or somebody in our life, another follower of Jesus is in the body of Christ is struggling with their faith, that we would have more to say than just slapping somebody on the back and saying, hey, trust God. But we would have conversation with them and pray for them and help each other remember who you are. We'd remind each other of your power and your wisdom and your love so that we would help each other have true faith in you and trust you enough to jump. Oh God, that's my prayer for all of us. In your name, amen. Guys, what a great time um, with you guys.